Hi, this is Patty Scalzo, and along with the Church Fellowship of Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut, we welcome you to this edition of Shi'ar Jeshub, a Bible study program featuring the ministry of my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo. Today, we will be listening to the conclusion of a sermon in Pastor's series on Heavenly Authority. The current message focuses on the criteria for the pastor, elder, bishop from 1 Timothy chapter 3. And when we left off in verse 2, Pastor Greg was discussing the qualification which the New King James Version translates of good behavior and the New International Version as respectable. Pastor showed that the actual word in the Greek is kosmios, coming from kosmos, an orderly arrangement, and meaning well-arranged, well-ordered behavior and way of thinking. Let's rejoin Pastor Greg. How can the leaders of the church set in order the things of the Bible, make them known in an orderly way that the people grasp them if their own lives are not set in order, are not well ordered by the Holy Spirit. And so this, this uh, word here that's translated good behavior, respectable, has more meaning to it than just that. Obviously the end result will be what's seen as respectable, what's seen as good behavior, but it comes from the Lord God of the universe who arranges the whole universe, arranging and ordering the individual's life the same way that it reflects out the good behavior, the respectability. And the next word there in that list, it has temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, and then you have hospitable, hospitable, hospitality, in the King James. Uh, and if you look at the word in the Greek, you'll probably recognize two parts of it. Philoxenos, you have philos, right? Philos means a friend, a dear one, friendship kind of love, right? To be fond of. And xenos, right? Xenos, foreign, a foreigner. Xenophobia is fear of foreigners, right? So this is not fear of foreigners, this is loving foreigners, loving strangers, right? Xenos, because it means a foreigner, by implication can mean a guest, someone that's not of your household, foreign to your household, right? So it can be fond of guests and so hospitable. Fond of guests, lovers of strangers. That's what that word means there. And that welcoming aspect of the character of the elder of the pastor, of the overseer, is important because when you have a church, you have strangers coming in, right? You have people that you don't know coming in to the church, uh, believers and people that are not yet believers, and they, they need to feel welcomed. And there needs to be that ability to reach out and to um, embrace them and show fondness for these guests that are coming into the kingdom of God. Uh, the gospel is to go to every nation, every tribe, every people, and every tongue, all becoming one in Christ, one family in Christ Jesus. So that characteristic of hospitality, the love for strangers, 
is an important quality for the overseer. And then it says, uh, the last word in verse 2 there is able, able to teach. Able to teach. That's the same in the, the uh, New King James, same in the NIV. The King James says apt to teach. The last time we spoke about the distinction made in chapter 5 of 1 Timothy, if you look back down in uh, verse 17, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. And we talked uh, quite a bit about this, that there are the elders out of the helmsmen of the church, and there's really no distinction in the scriptures between, and we showed it through Acts and through Titus, between elder, pastor, overseer. They were different expressions, but the distinction that is there is that some elders teach the Word of God. Some elders um, labor in the Word of God and doctrine. And we said that's really what you have when you have, uh, like in American Christianity, a designation of a pastor separate from the elders. And we looked back in church history how in the early church, they didn't call them pastors. If you look in the 200s, the late 100s, they called them overseers. And that's how you got the designation of the bishops. Those elders that were the ones that taught were called, were designated overseers. But in, at the time of Acts, at the time of the apostles, there wasn't that distinction made except that some of them could teach. And those that would teach, obviously, because they put more of their time into the work, were worthy here, he said, of double honor, because they labor in the word and in doctrine and teaching. Now, if you go back to what we're studying in chapter 3, even though some of these elders have a ministry, like a dual ministry of being a helmsman of the church, a, a navigator of the church, and a teacher, double office, and they, they have the office to teach, all elders should be able to have some degree of ability to teach. Because you're going to have the younger in the Lord coming to those people in the church and asking questions. So while a man may not be a formal teacher, he still has to be able to teach the foundational things of the Lord. Really, all believers are called from Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, to be able to teach at some point, right? No matter who you are, you're supposed to be able to teach your neighbor about the Lord and speak about the Lord. There's certain foundational things every believer should know. And the idea that there's just the clergy and the laity, and the clergy takes care of all the teaching, and the lady doesn't need to say anything except come in on a Sunday morning, is not biblical. Every believer is called to witness and to be an example in speech and in conduct of Christ Jesus. So how much more those who are the elders, even if they don't have the formal office of a teacher, they still need to be able to teach because they're running the affairs of the church and people will ask them questions. And if you think about it in a healthy church situation, if you were going to have revival, and I wonder sometimes if, if that's one of the keys of why the spirit is held back in our generation, it's not enough to have one quote-unquote dynamic personality up there giving a really great sermon. Um, they talked about the Second Great Awakening. They would 
there would be preaching, and all of a sudden there would be a breakout of the movement of the Holy Spirit. People would be speaking in tongues, a tremendous movement of God's Holy Spirit. And then there were all these other responsible men that were elders that would go out and they would, in groups, counsel each one of the groups to make sure that things stayed within the parameters of what's right in the Spirit. That kept the the Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening, in line with the Word of God. And there was a tremendous change. Our country would not have been what it was when we were children had there not been the Second Great Awakening. At the point of the Second Great Awakening, the country was tremendously immoral. There was, uh, there was a lack of knowledge of God in so many of the frontier towns, and that Second Great Awakening really brought the gospel and a change to the frontier towns and even to the universities. Yale had been going away from the gospel, and that Second Great Awakening brought Yale back, and obviously we know Yale has since fallen away greatly. But there was a, a moment in time when there was a tremendous change, and it wasn't done by just, you think of the great preachers in the awakening, but it wasn't just the preachers. It was all the elders who were there. There were people set up that God had already selected who could then deal with this multitude of people that are coming to the Lord. A lot of people coming to the Lord, and they needed to be directed and hear the Word of God the right way. So the overseer has to be someone that's also able to teach. Every elder should be able to teach the foundations of the faith, even if their office is not that of a teacher. Uh, so that those who are younger in the Lord that are coming to Christ will have an answer. Uh, and that word there is didacticos, apt to teach, skilled at teaching. One qualified to teach, instructive. And it should, re it should remind you of the word Didache, which we studied numerous times, we talked about the teachers, doctrine, teaching. The elders must know the doctrine, the teachings of the church, and be able to convey the basic important principles. And you can see here by the fact that he puts this in connected to the word overseer, though later on he'll change and use the word elder, you can see how those post-Bible early church will say, well, Maybe the overseers, we should designate them as, make a distinction between elders and overseers and designate them bishops and how the whole thing of the bishops in the early church and into the Catholic church with the bishops having a predominant position. But when you go through the scriptures, there's none of that. There's none of that hierarchy that we're so used to hearing. Okay, we'll stop there today. Obviously, there's a lot more to this. First Timothy, but a bishop then must be blameless the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach. And right there in that one verse, you get some, uh, some criteria of what's expected so that those who desire this noble work know what, they, what they're looking to attain. It's a good thing to desire it, but it's a very important, it's a very important position, and so... Uh, those that go in must know that this is what's expected. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray, Father God, that you would raise up in your body numerous elders, overseers, pastors, Father God, both those who are 
public teachers and preachers, but Father, more importantly, the numbers that are needed, Lord God, to handle the revival that we pray will come upon this land. And Father, we pray that we would take seriously uh, the criteria that the apostle lays down here, the great responsibility of being at the helm of the ship and how important it is for that navigator, that helmsman, that sea captain to know the right path to steer the ship and to be a trustworthy steward so that those in his care would have safe voyage in the turbulent sea of this world. And Father, we thank you for these criteria that you lay forth in your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you would like to support our church's outreach, you can make a secure donation on our website at shiarjashub.org. Or you can mail your donation to Shi'ar Jashub Christian Tabernacle, P.O. Box 518, Branford, Connecticut, 06405. On the website, you will find hundreds of Bible study radio programs, as well as links to our Shi'ar Jashub Christian Tabernacle channel on YouTube and Rumble. We live stream our Sunday service on YouTube at 10.30 a.m., and it is then posted on YouTube, Rumble, and the shiarjashub.org website for 24-7 access. You will find videos in Pastor Greg's series on the end times, as well as special sermons such as those on healing. And you can always check Isaiah 7, verse 3, for the spelling of Shiar Jashub.